Genesis chapter 4 today for our time together in the scripture. I want you to be in prayer uh, with us this week. I've, my every day is just loaded up and, and uh, i just uh, glad to be in the ministry but pray that the schedule is pretty loaded up. How many of you have enough to do? Amen. Good. Uh, Genesis 4, the book of beginnings. I, I really am uh, kind of, uh, I tried to search the Lord's heart, and I, I want to be instructive if I can, but I, today I'd, I'd rather be conversationalist. And uh, in our conversation, I want us just to consider something that I think is so important for us, but not only for us to know, but can I say important for us to be and to become. And I want you to hear some words in the scripture that are probably very familiar, but I think God's people need to know the book. How about you? Amen. We're going to read today in Genesis chapter 4. And I want to read the verses. I'm just going to read the first few verses. Familiar to us if we've uh, uh, been very long in the Lord, if we're Bible people and we're students. This is uh, very way back at the beginning, but some important things to say. Verse 1 of chapter 4, Genesis. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said... I have acquired a man from the Lord. Then she bore again, this time his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. That's important to note. Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. These next two verses, I want you to listen to every word because they are quite important all through these centuries and especially today. So the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? Notice these words. If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, what? Listen to the notice. Sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you. But you should rule over it. Wow, some powerful words from the Word of God. Father, be with us today. Let us, God, see something of you that is a treasure, that it might be also part of our living, and I ask it to glorify you. Amen. Cain and Abel both brought offerings to God. Abel brought a blood sacrifice to God, which is actually what was required. But Cain represents people and humanity that decide they don't want to do what God wants or disobedience or, can I say, human wisdom. And I'm going to use that now in this way. 
Cain refused, and instead of bringing a blood sacrifice, he brought, I don't know, squash, spinach, broccoli. And God doesn't like spinach and broccoli because, you know what he wanted? He wanted green beans and fried okra. That's what he wanted. Because <laughs> that's, God's in that. And maybe like fried okra. I'm glad you brought your laugher today. It'll be okay. We look past so many things in the Word of God. Both of these brothers knew, they knew that offerings were to represent a sacrifice of the blessings of God that He had bestowed upon them, but they were to look forward just the previous chapter to Eve, their mother, and father having sinned, God required a covering. The leaves were not enough. If you want to get to the basic of it, we could go to the third chapter. Here's the real thing. It required the sacrifice of blood, thus the skins, by which Adam and Eve were clothed. Because it looked forward to the, the Son of God, the Lamb of God prophesied in, in, in chapter 3, and that would eventually become God's Son to sacrifice on Calvary for our lives. In the middle of this offering, Cain decided that he would do things with what I'm going to call the human reasoning way. Instead of being obedient to God, I will do things my way. I don't, I don't have to obey. I don't have to do this. I'll do things like this. And verses 6 and 7 are really important. God sets literally, ladies and gentlemen, in those two verses, a tone for all the centuries. And I want us to see it and hear it and make it something important to our lives. God is in essence saying this, Cain, why are you angry? You know, Cain, if you do right, it will be accepted. If you do wrong, watch what he says. Watch what he says. If, if we were going to try to match the, 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 the sentence, so to speak, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. And probably we would say, but if you do what is wrong, you will not be accepted. But I want you to know that's not what the Lord said. He said, if you do right, you will be accepted. You'll have relationship with me. You and I will, will be on a spirit relationship and we'll commune and I'll walk with you and I'll bless you. But if you do wrong, notice what God said. He said, sin lies at the door. He was telling Cain, the enemy quickly has an opening now in your heart by which the enemy can destroy you. Sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, it's not, the it's not the temptation. It's what opens up in your heart when we disobey God or we question God's directions. God said, His, Satan's desire, is to destroy you. Cain, in his humanity, God said, in your human reasoning, in your disobedience, he is saying to Cain, you should rule over the ensnarements of the enemy. He is saying, Cain, I've done all this for a purpose. I have this set in order for your eternity. 
The reason I require a blood sacrifice is because sin must be covered by blood. That, that tone, ladies and gentlemen, God set at the very book of beginnings. But I want you to notice, here's the important thing. When we do other than what God has said, it is not a rejection of God. Here's what's important. We open ourselves to a vulnerability of every kind of ensnarement, spiritually and mentally and physically, even socially, that Satan can use to become a destruction to our lives. And that's why God wants to guard us. That's why God says, bring the sacrifice, because it maintains that relationship. But I want to declare to you this morning, in spite of all that, God gave Cain a second chance. I want to declare this morning, God is a long-suffering, patient, merciful, grace-giving, loving Father. I, I thrill, to be honest with you, as I look every week at the beauty in this congregation. And I'm not talking about the men. Okay, you turned your laugher off. That's okay. What I'm talking about is, is every week I get to experience in both services beauty, beauty in this congregation. What do you mean, Pastor? Here's what I mean. I see lives that have been changed and molded and given to God and walking in obedience and the will of God. And it, those people desire to become Christ-like, and that is beautiful. Most of us have failed. Most of us lost innocence. Most of us did exactly as Cain. In some way or another, when we were younger, or maybe yesterday, or maybe decades ago, we decided to go our own way. We decided we were the direction to follow as opposed to God. And we made the mistake of Cain. We failed not only once, but we failed in great measure. And yet, I declare to you this morning, here we sit, transformed, renewed, redeemed, regenerated by the power of God because He's a God of the second chance. Ladies and gentlemen, young people, it doesn't matter how far you've gone into sin or how far away that you have been. It doesn't matter. God loves you. And I'm going to tell you, if you have not in your heart today, God wants you back like you cannot imagine. And you can travel all creation and go to star after star by the billions, and you can go to any planet you want to, but you'll never find a star or a planet to dwell on where God cannot reach your heart. The one thing he wants is your heart. I want to say this morning, thank God for a second chance God. And I want to declare to you that much of holy writ in the Word of God speaks time and again, time and again, about the mercy of God toward fallen humanity. You want to hear some good news? Here it is. Ladies and gentlemen, God has given us more than second chances. I have counsel with many people. I have been pastor here for over 
32 years. Let me just be real honest with you. I know, a thing, I know things about people in this room that the rest of you don't know. And don't come and ask me because I'm not going to tell you. Okay? How many of you are glad of that? <laughs> I, I know so many things about people's lives. I've counseled with them. I've spent time with them. Hours in my office. And then sometimes I, after counseling and helping through problems, some, sometimes somebody called. And I, I learned this early in my first pastorate in, in a small town in Arkansas. I've had individuals come back a week or two or a month or two or a year or two and say, Pastor, i got a question for you. And, and I say, ask the question. And they say, when you see me, do, do, do you think about my past? There's lots of people in this church that have talked to me over the years. There's lots of people outside this church and all over our movement in this state. But I just want to say about us here, we sit here with scars from sin, spots on our records maybe, with a chip off the diamond, so to speak. But I want to declare to you how proud I am of you because we're in the fold of mercy of a second chance God. Here we sit with the light shining inside again, with the, the, the spark back in our life, with, with what my grandparents used to say, you have a spring back in your step and there's joy and peace in your spirit and, and the Lord umpires our mind and our hearts. I want to tell you something. I will not remember your sin. I thank God for what you are now and what we're going to be. But here's the good news. Neither does God remember your sin. God came to Abraham, and he said, Abraham, I'm not going to tell you where. I just want you to go in faith to a place. And Abraham loaded up the family, the kids, all that. I don't know how they traveled then, camels, donkeys, carts. That's what I see depicted, headed to a place they didn't know. But Abraham got halfway and quit. He stopped. But can I tell you something? God came to Abraham a second time, and Abraham finished the journey, and he became what is called the father of our Christian faith. So I want to ask you a question. Where would you and I be today? Where would the Christian doctrine, and where would lives of millions and millions and millions of people today if God had written Abraham off. God came to Jonah. I love the story of Jonah. This is a, this is a great story. God came to Jonah and he said, you're an evangelist. I want you to go to preach to a place called Nineveh. And the Ninevites are there. And if you preach and they repent, I'm going to save them. And let me just give you a little insight on that. Jonah did not like the Ninevites. And so he didn't do what God wanted him to do. And here's another situation. You know, we sometimes the Christian world is a little bit tough on Cain, but I want to tell you, we do the same. Thank you for that, amen. <laughs> Jonah. Jonah just said, I don't want to. You know what I think? I don't think he wanted them saved. 
I don't think he wanted the Ninevites to come to the Lord. And he knew, I think he knew, I've studied it, you can disagree. I think he knew, I'm going to go speak to them. And I know, Lord, if they hear of your mercy and they do that, they're going to get saved. And I don't like them, I don't want them saved. If I'm adding to it, then the Lord forgive me and you can study it yourself. But he got on a boat and took off the other way. You know the story, a storm came. And Jonah got thrown overboard, and he was swallowed by a large fish. We call it a whale. But I want you to notice this. The Bible says the Word of God came to Jonah a second time. Have you ever, let me just take a side note here. Have you ever thought about the journey that Jonah took in, let's call it a whale or that fish? Have you ever just thought about it? Just think about it, just a moment. Let's all get swallowed by this whale, we'll call it, okay? Are you there? You got it? How many of you know there's no windows? There, there, there's no... <laughs> How many of you know there's not anything there to eat? I, I guess you've lost your whole sense of humor, I don't know. I mean, just imagine all the juices running in around, and just imagine the smell, and just imagine trying to stand up, or just imagine all that's coming. I don't know what all was there. Three days and three nights. Listen, you've got to know God has a sense of humor. Have you, I mean, if you're glad you're not in your first day there, and your second day, and thank God the third day ended. Anybody ever felt like you've been vomited up? <laughs> I mean, good night. Just think of that. Here's what's ironic. He went a three days journey and God brought him back that fish and one day threw him out on the bank. I thank God for showers and soap, don't you? He came back because God sent his word to him a second time. And Jonah preached and every man and woman and child in Nineveh gave their hearts to God. Can I ask you something? Where would Nineveh be and its people if God had not called Jonah a second time? And so I want to say something to us this morning. Where are those under your influence going to be if God doesn't give us a second chance? And where are they going to be if you and I don't become obedient to that second chance? God came to a disciple on a given day, thousands and thousands. As a matter of fact, 3,000 people were saved in one sermon. Christianity began to spread from that. And a few days later, Pentecost came. And a lot of people were filled with the Spirit of God. And some would say, my, what an evangelistic crusade. What a preacher. What power of God. What anointing on that man. Who was that man that preached? And 3,000 people were saved. The answer is, he's the fellow that just a few days ago was cursing. He was fellow just a few days ago, even denied knowing Jesus at all. It is Peter, the disciple, who failed and failed miserably. But God gave him a second chance. God came to a man named Paul. And you have it as Mark, so follow me. On Paul's first missionary journey, God sent this man to spread the gospel across the world. He was accompanied, Paul was, by Barnabas and a nephew, his, Barnabas's nephew, called John Mark. John Mark began to quarrel with Barnabas, 
And there became, even between Christians, ladies and gentlemen, great contention. And Paul and Barnabas separated because of John Mark. Years later, Paul has finished his ministry, all but finished. And he's in a prison. And he writes to Timothy, his son, if you will, in the ministry. Which, 2 Timothy was Paul's last epistle. He writes to Timothy and he said, Only Luke is with me. Paul was feeling pretty lonely. He knew that he's going to be martyred for the sake of Christ. But listen to the words he said. He said, I am ready to be offered. But Timothy, when you come, Timothy was on his way to see Paul a last time. Watch these words. He said, when you come, bring Mark with you, for he is profitable for the ministry or the gospel. You know what had happened? If you look closely, the second book of the New Testament was written by Mark. It was that John Mark that left and got off the bus. But I want to tell you something. Between the time he got off the bus with Paul and the time Paul wrote and said he's profitable for the gospel, God had given Mark a second chance, and we have a second gospel. Where would we be without the second gospel? I want to declare to you that God is a second chance God. And so I want to make this statement. If our God is a second chance God, I believe God's people should be second chance people. How many of you believe that's true? How many of you have been forgiven and God's given you a second chance? Let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. Second chance. Anybody third chance? Anybody fourth chance? Anybody a hundred chances? You just want to stand and raise your hands for the next hour while I count? And Satan will tell every one of you, you've gone too far. God can't forgive you. He won't forgive you. You've done this too many times. You're not any good. God doesn't love you. And that journey in your mind will be like it in Genesis 4. If you do not do good, Satan is crouched to come against you. It is time for you to rule over that with the Word of God. So I want to share something with you. I want to get to the very bedrock of Christianity with us and I'll be through we're required to live what we believe if we don't live it ladies and gentlemen then our message has no validity to it so I'm going to I want to put this in a place I love God because he's a second chance God how many of you are here because you know that you know that you know God has shown mercy on you, not only on your sin, but your life. God has blessed us. God has blessed us. God has blessed us. I look across this congregation and many, 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 many things that most of you don't know, but I know, and I want to tell you, God has blessed this people. Some of the things obvious we see 
But I want to tell you this. Since God is a second chance God, I believe we should be second chance people. And I only have three points and I'm through. Point number one is this. For us, the practicals. When we hear of a rumor about another child of God, don't believe it. Well, Pastor, what if it's true? You're not the loser if you don't believe it. You're the winner if you don't believe it. Because how many in this room want everybody else about a rumor about you? How many of you want the rest of the people in this room to give you the benefit of the doubt? Come on, let me see your hand. Don't you want somebody to give you the benefit of the doubt? Do you know, Paul, that this epistle writer through the New Testament said numerous times, he said, in honor, prefer one another. He said, in honor, put them before you, not for vainglory, but do unto others. So I want to say again, when you hear a rumor about another Christian, don't believe it. Secondly, when you hear that rumor about another Christian, don't repeat it. Well, again, Pastor, what if it's true? If you don't repeat it, and it is true, two things. You haven't been a part of it, and you haven't spread it. And let me tell you, God deals with us individually. So let me say, not only do not re- repeat it. You say, well, Pastor, what if, here, here's, here's the reason don't repeat it. What if it's not true? And you've been part of repeating it. Then you not only need to repent to God, but you need to go to that person and be reconciled. So let me say again, when you hear a rumor about someone in Christianity, don't, about another brother or sister, don't believe it. Just, just be still. Secondly, when you hear that rumor, don't repeat it. Because you may or may not know the truth. And let me tell you something about society today. It doesn't have to be true. All it's got to be is said, and a lot of people will believe it. But aren't you glad God's going to put it in a crucible? How many of you are going to be glad God's going to be our judge someday? If you hear it, don't believe it. Secondly, if you hear it, don't repeat it. Thirdly, this word desire. In this verse, it said, Satan's desiring you. The desire will destroy you. But yet when God comes, he puts desires in us. And I want to share with you this one thing. Desire as God's people to forgive. Desire to love on purpose. Can I even put it this way? Desire to tolerate each other. Nobody's ever had to do that for me, have you? Thank you for not saying amen there. I know. I know. Desire to forgive. I learned years and years ago, not only is just a child and a young man but when I went in the ministry, I learned something really important. That when you become a minister, there's a big target on you. And I've learned that Satan is an expert marksman. And he knows how to shoot. And you're going to be wounded. But can I tell you, as Christians, you also have that target on you. And we're going to be wounded. But we should have a desire 
to forgive and a desire. Here's the thing. I got hurt so many years ago, frankly, early in the ministry, and I've learned the earlier that Satan can destroy your life, the easier to pray you are. Early in the ministry, I got hurt extremely deeply. As a matter of fact, when the dust was settled, I said, I'm through with the ministry. How many of you know that sometimes your wife can sound extremely a lot like the Holy Spirit? <laughs> and my wife says, no, you're not. I mean, she says, darling, let's think about it again. No, you're not. We received a call to go to another church. I went and interviewed, and I went, I'm not doing this. I got in the car, and I said, I, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to do this. And my wife said, that's where we're going. <laughs> How many were glad for the voice of God through human beings? We can be pretty stubborn, can't we? I just want to say this, and I'm through. Our God is a second-chance God. This pastor is a second-chance pastor. And I want this church to be a second-chance church. Because... All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. But today's the day of salvation. And today is the accepted time.